How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma City Thunder, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello there, everyone. We're locked in for episode 206 of Locked on Thunder, presented by the Norman Transcript. I'm your host, Fred Katz. Locked on Thunder is part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Head on to iTunes, search Locked on Thunder, subscribe to the podcast there, leave a review once you're on that, uh, and find us on audioboom.com as well. You can log on to normantranscript.com, check out my blog, Thunder Road. It's under the sports tab on the site. And you can see all my Thunder coverage there. I'm on Tuesdays and Thursdays now. Uh, today's podcast... We got we got the guest. We got another guest this time. It's my buddy, first time guest, NBA writer for Fanbrag Sports, Jack Winter. Fred, thanks for having me on. Always good to chat, especially you know as late May turns into early June. It's the perfect time of year. Is, is it the perfect time of year? Uh, well, I mean, for basketball, I think certainly, especially when it's Warriors, Cavs, three, and I'm actually in. Portland, Oregon right now. So it's not the rainy time of year. It's the beautiful, sunny, green time of year. So yeah, for me, it really is the perfect time of year. For the rest of the country, everyone else, not really sure. You're, you're such a nomad. You're always in another city. <sighs> I'm not, you say that like it's a good thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I have no idea what's going on with my life right now other than uh, <laughs> some fun times, fun times out west, watching basketball, Hanging out with dogs and like going on hikes and apparently talking to you, there which you is go. which is always great. Yeah, you're not driving a U-Haul though. I'm not. I'm not driving a U-Haul. Um, it's actually it's actually a Sprinter van that's not going to be driven by me. Full well, of what is what is a Sprinter uh, van? Oh, you know, one of those like extra long, extra long white vans. Um, you know, they like, like they like Mercedes or something. Well, right. It's like, it's like a it's like the 2017 version of a kidnapping van. Exactly. I wasn't. I wasn't sure how, like, whether or not I should mention kidnapping on this podcast. But because you did, I think it's. I think it's probably you, fine. You should like offer offer kids ice cream in the van just to see the public reaction. Well, see, there's furniture in there too, so they'd probably be even more easily lured in lured <laughs> into the van. So what's yeah? You know, once you get that I, sliding door open, I like the presumption that that kids are lured by furniture. Well, just a just a nice, comfortable place to sit in in air conditioning. You know, summer's here. <laughs> That's true. It is. It is the end of May into June. That's right. Like like I said. Like I said. So we haven't had basketball for a week. Long time. Mm-hmm. Going to be basketball tomorrow. We're recording this uh, Wednesday afternoon. Final start Thursday night. Finally, took long enough. Eight days off between uh, the end of the Eastern Conference Finals and and uh, the start of the NBA Finals. What is what is your go to? thing that you're going to be watching for in the finals if there is one thing that you could sit there and you could focus on the most during the finals what's it going to be and by the way man this is a this is a thunder podcast it's game one of the nba finals we're 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 talking Cavs warriors today because this is this is the story and and we had a full ennis canner podcast on tuesday 
should that should wet the thunder appetite just enough. But what's the one thing you're going to be watching um, in in the finals for? Well, I mean, just, let's just let's just tell the listeners that you know, before we came on air here, we discussed you and Josh Eustace for about five to ten minutes. You caught me up <laughs> on that, so you and I really have discussed thunder. Um, it's true. But as, but as far as what I'm looking for in the finals, one thing is kind of it's kind of tough to it's kind of tough to point out. Um, you know, or, you know, tough to magnify. But I guess it would be the effectiveness of Draymond Green, and specifically whether or not he's making shots. Uh, he was just red hot from three in the first two rounds of the playoffs after really struggling on open jumpers, uh, you know, whether or not they were long two-pointers, which he obviously doesn't take a lot of, or threes during the regular season that just kind of went undercovered because he was so amazing defensively and because, you know, the Warriors were just lighting Nets ablaze uh, despite the fact that he shot so poorly. Um, but then against San Antonio, he kind of came back to earth. I think it was four of 12 from three, but that's obviously a very small sample size. So, if he has to be guarded out to the arc by the Cavaliers, um, you know that just that just really makes the Warriors that much harder uh, to defend. So that's certainly something that I'll focus on from the outset of Game One because I really think Ty Lue will make him prove it, and they'll play they'll play off him uh, if they can just to. You know, would you rather have Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, or Kevin Durant taking a shot, or Draymond Green? Um, you know, that's the that's the question every team that plays the Warriors has to ask themselves. And in the first two rounds of the playoffs, like there was no right answer because Draymond was shooting something crazy from three. I think it was over fifty percent on three or four attempts a game. Um, and if he continues that, if he continues that in the finals, I mean, this will be a very very short series. You know, you know, it's funny. I, I my my answer is kind of Draymond on the other end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not because Draymond is ever not good defensively. He's not. He's always some level between good and literally the best defensive player in the NBA. And mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion, he's defensive player. At least he's 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 one or two in my opinion defensive player of the year this year. Him or Rudy Gobert, uh, I would have one or two on my my hypothetical regular season ballot. So he's he's a tremendous defensive player. But if you look at the first four games of last year's finals, when the Warriors. If, if you didn't hear, the Warriors took a three-one lead in the finals last year. If you look at those, I did hear that. if you look at those first four games of the finals, LeBron was not finishing around the rim quite as well as LeBron normally does, and a lot of that was because of Draymond Green's versatility. Like people think of Draymond Green as he gets this reputation as this versatile, switchy defender because he is. But the reason that he's as great of a defender as he is. It's not because he's just a versatile, switchy defender. Like, if he were just that, then he would be he would be Chris Middleton, right? right but the reason right. that he is phenomenal is because he's also a legitimately great rim protector. Even when mm-hmm. he's not blocking shots, he's altering shots, he's contesting shots, he's getting a hand in guy's face around the rim, and he's doing it very often without fouling. And he does a really good job on contesting LeBron shots at the rim. There aren't that many guys in the league who can really contest a LeBron shot at the rim and do anything about it. I mean, you can probably count them on one hand. And Draymond Green is one of those guys. After Draymond got suspended in Game 5, I thought LeBron was just going at the rim a lot, and he kind of got ahead of steam going at the rim, and he got a little more confidence, and all of a sudden he's he builds up that momentum at the rim, and he was going at the rim all the time those last three games. And maybe something triggered in Game 5 where he's like, oh, guy, I let Draymond you know, get me away from what I do best in those first four games. And maybe that's something he remembers because LeBron is as intelligent as he is talented when it comes to just, you know, anything on the court. And maybe maybe that's something that he, he remembers and does from the beginning. But if, if Draymond Green can affect LeBron James at the rim to where 
He's just very good, and he's not the best rim finisher that we've seen in our lifetimes. Uh, mm-hmm. Then, then the Cavs don't have a chance. They need I totally, LeBron I, to play like yeah. LeBron, especially around the rim. I mean, especially considering how aggressive LeBron was attacking the paint and really, really putting pressure on def- on the defense off the dribble in four out of five games against Boston. Um, you know, despite the fact that he shot so well uh, over the first two two rounds of the two rounds of the playoffs, you know, he really attacked the rim like he was shooting poorly against the Celtics. Um, but just back to the Warriors and, and Draymond as a rim protector, you just forget that he, you know, is such a really phenomenal uh, paint protector just because he's six seven, but he has a seven two seven three wingspan, some of the fastest, strongest hands in the league, and. He's just so, so smart. And I think one of the reasons why some people, well, it was hard to be down on the Warriors. I'm using air quotes. You can't see it. Uh, da- down on the Warriors coming into this year. But you'd think one of their deficiencies would be rim protection. But it just that just wasn't the case all year long. And it especially hasn't been the case during the playoffs. I think they actually rank second in defensive field goal percentage at the rim throughout the playoffs. The Grizzlies are first. Uh, it's obviously a bigger sample size for the Warriors. And I'm actually looking at the individual numbers right now. And guess who is fourth in uh, defensive field goal percentage at the rim among among defenders who have faced three per game? I'm going to guess it's Draymond Green. It's JaVale McGee. Oh, well, there you go. Right, and like, and then and then you realize that Kevin Durant is nearly as good at the rim defensively as Draymond Green is. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a great point about Draymond at the rim, but I think it extends, um, you know, even larger in a bigger picture. Uh, just to the Warriors and how really kind of underrated they are in that regard, despite that, you know, they lost Andrew Bogut, they lost Vesit Zazili. They're still great at the rim because obviously Draymond and Kevin Durant are really, really good there. And JaVale McGee's just added a lot of dynamism there since the playoffs began. I'm so curious to see how many minutes LeBron is going to play in this series. I mean, he's been, he's been playing 46, so, right? He's been playing so many in the playoffs this year. I mean, he's playing, mm-hmm. he's playing 41 minutes a game, and there have been some games where he's getting up into the mid-40s, and he still looked good in those games where he's getting up into the mid-40s, but, you know, I just, all of these minutes that he's playing, and I realize that he's still the best player in the game, and there's there's no disputing that, especially after last year's finals. There's just, there isn't any disputing that, and with the way that he's been playing in this postseason, he's been playing like the best player in the game on both sides of the floor. He's just been... He's been phenomenal, and defensively, when he picks his spots, he's still one of the 10 best defensive players in the NBA and with the way he's been shooting. But I wonder, all the minutes, I, he's, been, he's shooting 42% from three in the playoffs. His jump shot has just been absolutely outrageous. Forget what, he's from, what he is from mid-range, but it's, it's, it's again, just a really good number. Uh, 45% from mid-range, 42% from three. I wonder if the legs are going to stay there. Uh, for for all of those minutes, if he if he has to play forty five minutes a game, forty four minutes a game, and and against against Golden State, I wonder if the legs are going to stay there. That's a valid concern. You think back to his kind of inexplicable struggles in Game Three against Boston, and then you realize that that was the first time that he played uh, just on short rest, not even short rest, but just he he played every other day. For several days, um, you know, because the Cavs had played something crazy coming coming into the playoffs, and then after they swept the first two rounds, it was something like eight games in you know forty days or something just ridiculous like that. Uh, so yeah, fatigue is fatigue is certainly is certainly something to watch for LeBron, especially considering that, like you said, he's playing 45, 46 minutes a game, and 
man, it'll be really hard for Tyloo to take him off the floor at all against the Warriors. On the other hand, I'm looking at the final schedule right now, and the only games um, that are every other day are Game 3 and Game 4. Game 3 is June 7th, Game 4 is June 9th. Every other game has at least two two days in between it. So that's certainly a huge benefit for LeBron and really uh, really something that will help the Cavs, I think, more than the Warriors. I, 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 I don't like that the NBA does that. Why not? I just I it's not it's not from a uh, a fairness perspective it's just from man spread it out more why don't you like we've got we've got 8 days I I am a person who believes that the NBA playoffs are too long I don't think you need 2 months of, have you ever seen basketball Of course I've seen basketball They kind of make fun of that in basketball remember the the postseason's like 9 months long or whatever and like, <laughs> I'd, I'd forgot I'd forgotten that joke though I did have it on VHS. But that's obviously a joke about the NBA playoffs. And basketball came out when the first round was only five games. Like it was, it's just so long. It takes such a long time, and we've got eight. We're gonna have seven NBA games played between what May twenty third and June eighteenth. If the finals go seven rounds, we're gonna have seven NBA games played in just under well, a month. I mean, and I realize let's, that's let's, because those series went went short, right? Uh, like it's it certainly wasn't that way last year. No, like when, no, 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 it wasn't. When you've got when you've got them going seven games in the Western Conference right. Finals and such. No, of course not. My, I just going from Thursday to Sunday to Wednesday to Friday to and then Friday to Monday and then Monday to Thursday. It's a lot of lag time. And I, I, I don't think it is. Uh, I don't think it's necessary. I like those those every other days that you get in the conference finals. I enjoy. I them. just. I, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, and I'm a proponent for a shorter season in general, um, which isn't necessarily related to what we're talking about right now. But I just feel like we've waited for the previous seven, eight months. Everything has been building up to this point. Why not extend it for as long as we can before we have to start dealing? Well, free agency, actually mayhem but before august comes and we're you know yearning for basketball checking you know sb nation blogs I'm, I'm reading the norman transcript to see what you're writing about the thunder you see that see how natural that plug came to me <laughs> by the way i don't i don't do a lot of podcasts but I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, well, well, I'm reading know, i'm a better that, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right um but yeah you know the finals are finally here this is for better or worse, this is the one, the matchup we knew we'd have. Uh, Warriors, Cavs, three. Last year was amazing. Uh, you know, the first, the first matchup was pretty good. There was, it's easy, it's easy to forget how much drama there was after the first three games of that finals. The Cavs are up 2-1 and damn near up 3-0. Um, so yeah, I think, I think this will be great. And, you know, just considering it's finally here, I want it to last as long as possible. Okay. I want a prediction from you. It's kind of a niche prediction, but I want it. Well, Let's do it. All right. The Cavs, you know what the Cavs' offensive rating is in the playoffs? It's like 120, I think. Yeah, 120.7, which is just outrageous. Golden State's is 115.8, which is also just outrageous. I mean, it's insane. But they're do- and they're doing it in different ways, too. I mean, they're both shooting a lot of threes because that's what they both do. They both shoot a ton mm-hmm. of threes. Uh but and and whoever you know the the whole jump shooting team can't win a championship if that hasn't died with the no, last stop with yeah, the last ninety eight champions then this year is <laughs> going to die once again uh, because yeah. both of these teams are jump shooting teams. What do you think 
are those numbers going to come down in the postseason or in the in the finals? And if they do come down, what 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 are those offensive ratings going to look like? Because those offensive uh, ratings, those are like historically unbelievable playoff offensive ratings for both of them. I would be absolutely floored if the Cavs put up a 120 offensive rating over several games. It would have it would have to be seven games probably, uh, or it's just a Cavs sweep in four. I'd be shocked if they put up 120 against the Warriors. The Warriors are the best defensive team in the league. They're un- as we discussed, they're uniquely suited to defend the Cavaliers. They can switch. They can switch everything when they go small. They can tr- they can do some of that whether or not they're playing Zaza or David West or. JaVale McGee at five. They have great rim protectors with quick hands all across the floor, incredible length. Um, yes, I would, I would be absolutely shocked. But as far as for your question, a prediction for offensive ratings, I would, what wouldn't surprise me is if Golden State went ahead and put up, you know, a number that would have led the league during the season, 113, 114 against the Cavaliers. I just think they have too much firepower. They move the ball too well. Um, some of that, off-ball cutting action. They could go in with split action at the elbow. All stuff like that's kind of stuff where the Cavaliers struggled, especially against the Celtics uh, once Avery, once Avery Bradley, once Isaiah Thomas went down with an injury that kind of changed the dynamic of the Celtics' offense and it actually made it a little look made it look a little more like Golden State's and less pick-and-roll action. It's just based more on movement and getting the ball from side to side um, and, you know, and exploiting ball pressure. And I really think that's what the Warriors will do to the Cavs throughout this series. So I think 113-114 for the Warriors sounds about right. The Cavs will be somewhere below there, but pretty comfortably. Jack, I just want to take a quick second to talk about SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and I just used it the other day to look at tickets for the Chainsmokers upcoming tour they have going on around the U.S., Everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work and you save the time and money. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets... Download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, click Add a Promo Code, enter the promo code LOTHUNDER, that's L-O, like locked on, and SeatGeek is going to give you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code LOTHUNDER today. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I, I wonder, man, I wonder what Kevin Love is going to do in this series. Because Kevin Love has not really shown up in these previous two finals, right? And he's, well, and he's he playing. Had, let's, he let's had the stop. He had the stop yeah. on Steph Curry. And he, I, I, I just mean, he was injured he had two years big, ago. He was injured. Right. He was injured two years ago. And overall, he was not very good in the finals last year. By, by, I'm rating by Kevin Love's standards. By Kevin Love's standards, uh, one of the best power forwards in the league, and an overly criticized player. I don't want to add to the to the amount that he's overly criticized because I think he's become underrated. 
I totally agree, especially with how he's played in these playoffs. I think he's been really good on both ends. Well, that's what I'm getting at. He has been, I mean, is this the best basketball he's played since he came to Cleveland? He's been great. And you know what? He's he's kind of become, so, so the comparison that I always had for him defensively when he was in Minnesota was that people used to make the same criticism body body type wise and uh and 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 just physical strength wise lower body strength all that kind of stuff he he compares a little bit to Zach Randolph foot speed wise he just kind of compared to Zach Randolph to me and people made a lot of the same criticisms of him defensively that people made of Zebo pre Memphis now all of a sudden Zebo became a good defensive player because he had a a good defensive big man next to him. He wasn't playing against. He wasn't playing against the Nikola Pekovic's or playing next to the Nikola Pekovic's of the world. He had a good big man next to him. It allowed him to move his feet a little bit more aggressively, be a little bit more aggressive, use his strength more, and know that he had a really good help defender playing next to him. Now I feel like that's kind of happening with with Kevin Love next to Tristan Thompson. Now I don't know if it's happening to the same degree. They obviously play a different style of defense and everything like that. But Tristan right. Thompson is a really quality help defender. He's a really good defender in space. He's somebody that Kevin loves knows Kevin Love knows he can rely on. He's become a, a smarter defender now and he plays hard defensively, I think, or at least he has been during these playoffs. And and I think he's kind of having that 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 transformation to where he's not the exact same type of defender. That's not the argument. But where defense is so contextual. It's so, so contextual. And I don't know if he's way, way better. But he's looking better, and he's playing better, and he's not a horrible defensive player right now. He's just he just isn't. And with the way that he, with the way that he's shooting, the way that he's playing on the offensive end, he's had some unbelievable halves for them, some great games for them. I mean, if he can show up and play the way that he's playing right now, be able to stretch the floor, I don't know if he's going to struggle defensively as much as he has as he did in the past against Golden State uh, in certain some of these games where. He's scrambling out to the perimeter, and and he has some issues out there. He may, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he if he looked more playable. And I realize that the irony of this is that his biggest play against Golden State, and probably the biggest play he'll ever have against Golden State, was that stop he had on Steph Curry in Game Seven right. last year. But he, for a lot of that yeah, series, struggled, um, and I, I wonder <clears throat> I wonder if he's going to look better in this series defensively while being able to make the shots that he's been making all this postseason. I think he will look better than he has in the past, um, just because he's he's a little lighter than he's been, and he's moving his feet better than he than he ever has, and he's healthy. Um, so that certainly can't be discounted. But man, this Warriors team is a just a different beast than even last year's team. Um, you know, just and I and I really think a lot of that effectiveness that you're talking about, and you know, whether or not he's Kevin Love successful defensively, doesn't even depend on Kevin Love. It depends on how the Cavaliers are defending, because if they're switching, uh, you know, full stop, which they'll obviously do a bunch, but if they're, but if they're comfortable, you know, switching Kevin Love onto Steph Curry, switching him onto Kevin Durant, that's asking a lot of any interior defender, let alone one who's, you know, historically limited and, you know, may just have average physical capabilities, um, you know, in terms of, in terms of sliding his feet and staying in front of the ball and keeping the ball out of the paint. Um, but a lot of that, a lot of his effectiveness there, um, and, and even showing on pick and rolls and, and recovering will depend on those backline rotations. Um, and the Cavaliers' ability to switch on the fly behind the play off the ball, which they've actually been really good at and were really, really, really great at last year against the Warriors. Um, you know, when you think back to last year's finals, you remember how 
Steph Curry was injured and underperformed compared to season-long expectations. Clay Thompson went cold. Harrison Barnes couldn't hit a shot. Draymond Green was the only source of offense they had in Game 7. Um, and you really think of it in terms of the Warriors struggling, not playing how they should have played. But the, Caval- the, Ca- the Cavaliers just don't get enough credit for what they did defensively, how locked in they were both on and off the ball, how well, how well Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love fared on switches um you know jr smith suddenly morphing into a quality defender who can guard multiple positions um you know stuff like that was really 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 important um during during the finals last year and if the cat the, the cavaliers must uh be similarly effective this time around um now, now that kevin durant's in golden state or you know this like i keep saying the series will be short all right before we go what's uh Sounds like you think the series is going to be short. What's uh, what's your what's your pick? The only reason why I don't see this series ending in four or five games is out of respect for LeBron and how well he's been playing. You know, arguably the best. He's arguably playing the best basketball of his fourteen-year career at thirty-two in his seventh straight Finals appearance. We've never seen anything like this before. It's absolutely incredible. Um, I just find it hard to believe that he won't play a game or two in which he is clearly the best player on the floor that Steph, that Steph Curry and Kevin Durant are also playing on. Um, so should that happen for a game or two, I think the Cavaliers will win those games, which is why I'm picking the Warriors in six. And the only way the Cavaliers have a chance, I think, in this series is if LeBron is the best player in almost every game, and it's unquestioned. Um I just think the the Warriors have too much firepower. They're too versatile. They protect the rim too well. They create too many turnovers. And actually, something that's kind of been undercovered uh, throughout these playoffs, and I realize the Warriors' sample size is especially small because they've swept every series. And you obviously have to remember the fact that each opponent they've played has been dealt a significant injury. But... The Warriors are rebounding the ball really, really well. Um, I, I think it, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but I think their defensive rebounding percentage is something like 77 or 78, which would have ranked in the top 10 during the regular season. And they're also not turning the ball over. So those are their two biggest bugaboos throughout the regular season. And they just haven't been a problem, uh, you know, these past six weeks. And like I said, a lot of that's contextual. But, um, you know, I just, at this point, I'm not sure what the Warriors' weakness is. And that's, that's basically what this finals comes down to for me. It's more about the Warriors being historically dominant and just a, a, almost a juggernaut, unlike any we've seen before, than anything deficient about the Cavaliers. Yeah, I, I agree with the analysis. I, I'm going Golden State in five. They're, uh, man, they're too good. The offense yeah. is too good. It's too unguardable. And, and the way that LeBron is playing is amazing. That's, I, I honestly was. I kind of wanted to go with a sweep, but I just I can't pick LeBron to get swept in the finals. I, it, He's going to win exactly. a game on his own, at least one. Right. I, 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 I wanted like to do it too. Yeah, I feel oh. like it's going to go six before I think it's going to go four, just because I could see LeBron winning two before I could see LeBron winning none. Well, it'd be it'd be one it'd be one thing if his jumper wasn't working, like it wasn't coming into last year's finals, or then for the first three or four games. Uh, of of the 2016 finals, but I mean, like we've been like we mentioned several times, he's shooting it as well as he's ever shot it. Um, you know, so if, if he's if he's making jumpers, he can go off for 35, 40, and still affect the game and dominate the game in all the other ways he normally does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it is it is unbelievable 
it's really unbelievable what he's doing. Uh, yeah. I hate I hate the LeBron versus MJ comparisons. Like I I hate that because like it presumes LeBron's done. Right. Like the whole well, has he passed MJ? Let's 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 see when he's done. There are many many reasons to hate it, but that's a pretty good one. Yeah, he's not yeah. he's not done. We can discuss it when he's done. He's not done. If he's past his prime, even we can discuss it when he's past his prime. Right. And I, I was just going to say it'd be it'd be a it'd be a totally different thing if there were any signs of decline, uh, like the signs we thought we were getting a year and a half or two, or two years ago. Instead, he's somehow found another peak. Um, and so he, who's to say at this point that he isn't even better, uh, you know, come April next year? It's it's ridiculous to think about considering he'll be in his 15th year and 33 years old and verging on his eighth finals, which at, at this point you almost have to expect, right? Yeah. But, um, but, but why not, based on what he's done over the past six weeks? It is, uh, it is an amazing thing. Yep. It's like a really... It is a really amazing thing. Uh, who's you got a, a Finals MVP favorite before we go? Uh, Draymond Green. I'm going Kevin Durant. Yes, you said favorite, which like, yeah, <laughs> you forget that it's stats. Stats matter so much, and you know Draymond's probably not going to be the guy who goes hey, Draymond, out. Draymond, if 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 Golden State <clears throat> wins Game Seven, there's a possibility Draymond is Finals MVP last year because of the way he played in Game Seven. He, I think he definitely would have been. And I think for Draymond to win finals MVP this year, it'll have to be a series that goes six or seven games. Because if the Warriors win in four or five, it'll be because Steph, KD, or Clay, you know, went off for two or three games. Um, you know, rather than it was a back and forth competitive series where you really had to test the defensive, where the Warriors defensive medal was tested and, you know, kind of a broader audience was forced to understand what Draymond brings to the table. Um, so I do, yeah, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's the favorite, but if this series goes long, I think he will be the most important and impactful players for the Warriors. Cool, man. What do you got to, uh, what do you have to plug before, uh, before we go? Uh, just finals coverage throughout. Um, we're going to be doing, FanRag's going to be doing this thing where we're going to have me and another writer and we actually haven't finalized this. So I just probably shouldn't mention the other writer, uh, or it at all, but we'll see. I'll just go ahead and do it. Uh, where we'll be doing, one of us will be taking a Cavs-centric approach to, um, you know, covering covering a game, and the other will be taking a Warriors-centric approach, and you know, then just kind of finals long coverage throughout. So that'll be up on FanRag Sports. Great, and uh, yep. you can follow Jack. Jack, what's your J- Jack? Jack's anti-Twitter. I'm not anti-Twitter. I just don't. I'm not. I feel like I'm somewhat clever. Um, Hopefully, our listeners, your listeners, um, you know, can tell that over the past thirty minutes while they've listened to this podcast. Hopefully, but on Twitter, I just think about it too much and I obsess over it, and I feel like I have to be extra clever because that's what everyone's doing on Twitter. Um, and you know, I just don't have that time. I have, to, I have other, I have too much other stuff going on. But my okay, Twitter so- handle, if you want to follow me, um, which sure you should, I post some stuff every now and then. Um, so sometimes I reply to Fred's jokes on Twitter with, you know, just like this is good or something. And there's a lot of irony there, but anyway, my Twitter handle is Armstrong winter. Give me a follow for some basketball analysis. Like I said, some stuff about Fred. Why not? All right. And, and how would you pronounce this word? C O V F E F E. I don't have it. Covfefe. See, I, I think it's Kov Fifi. I, I've, I've been saying Kov Fifi. Get it, 
we can't get into this. I like I like call Fifi more. Uh, I think you're you're totally. I li- I'd like to know how he would say it. I'd like yeah. I'd like to know how he would pronounce it. It's true. All right. Well, you, please please tweet me with your pronunciations of it. I want this to be the next GIF uh, versus GIF debate. Uh, what side of the, what side of that debate were you on? GIF. It's GIF. Yeah, man. There's no. I thought I thought that was covered several years ago. It, it, I did too, but people still insist GIF. Oh man. Yeah, like my my thirty year old brother who's a little out of touch, and people older than him are the only people I know who say GIF. So. <laughs> All right, if you remember, I'm on every Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, you can head to iTunes, subscribe to Locked on Thunder, questions, comments. Email Locked on Thunder at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at Fred Katz, F-R-E-D-K-A-T-Z. Log on to normantranscript.com for all your Thunder needs. Check out my blog, Thunder Road. You can follow team coverage there and see what's next for the Thunder. I've got a bunch of trade retrospectives up there now, so I'm doing uh, doing one a day, so I did the... These, uh, the, the three trades the Thunder made this year. So a retrospective of the Sabonis trade. Thursday is the retrospective of the Jeremy Grant trade. And Friday is going to be a retrospective of the Taj Gibson, Doug McDermott trade. You can see those all on Thunder Road. That's going to do it for today. Going to be back on Tuesday. Jack, thanks for coming on. Yeah, Fred, thanks for having me. It was fun. Until Tuesday, Locked on Thunder is locking up. <laughs>